Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay. Genesis 32, verse 3. So let's uh, first begin in prayer. Father, once again, once again, Lord, we cannot know this book unless you teach us. And so, Lord, we pray, teach us, open our hearts. Lord, cleanse us from everything that distracts us from all of our sins and help us now to focus on your mighty word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 32, verse 3, here we go. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and asses and flocks and men servants and women servants. And I have sent to tell my lord that I find grace in thy sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two bands, and said, If Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which said unto me, Return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I'll deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant, for with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother, 200 she-goats, 20 he-goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 kine, 10 bulls, 20 she-asses, and 10 foals. And they delivered them into the hand of his servants every drove by themselves and said unto his servants, Pass over before me and put a space betwixt drove and drove. And he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau my brother meeteth thee and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou, and whither goest thou, and whose are these before thee? Then thou shalt say, They be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present. Send unto my lord Esau, and behold, he is also behind us. And so commanded he the second and the third and all that followed the drove, saying, On this manner shall you speak unto Esau when you find him, and say, Moreover, thy servant Jacob is behind us, for he said, I will appease him with the present that goeth before me. And afterward, I will see his face. Peradventure, he will accept of me. Okay, now, what we've been doing here, let me see here, okay, 
Everybody needs a Bible. So here you go, Mitch. Here's a Bible for you. Thank you. Okay. Sorry for that brief interruption. <laughs> okay. So now let's, let, let's, let's hone in here. We're on verse 3. And we've been following Jacob on his way back to Canaan. And, and Jacob has just experienced a wonderfully, really successful victory over his enemy, Laban, who caught up with him, and he had the intention of hurting Jacob, and God intervened. And Laban had accused Jacob of stealing his gods, and Jacob had called Laban's bluff. And after a very tense search of all that Laban had, Laban came up empty-handed. And boy, did Jacob play that scene for all it was worth. He humiliated Laban in front of his family and effectively forced Laban into an agreement to leave him alone with his wives and his cattle and his family and everything. And so now he's coming off of this high and he's entering into chapter 32 and there's just a new spring in his step. And he's feeling pretty good right now as he heads off towards home that he left 20 years ago. And he's thinking to himself, boy, if what I was able to pull off with Laban is any indication how things are going to go, I'm just going to be just fine with Esau. But there's just one problem in Jacob's thinking. And, and that's this. When Jacob fled for his life 20 years ago, Jacob had explicit directions on when he was to return. You remember that? Who gave him those directions? Mama. Well, Mama Rebecca. She told, uh, she told her little boy, Jacob, who was about 70 years old at that time, but anyway, when he was to return home. Now, these are the words that were back in Genesis 27, verse 42. Genesis 27, 42 was when Rebecca. Jacob's mother told him, and these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah, and she sent and called Jacob her younger son, and said unto him, Behold, thy brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, and arise, flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran, and tarry with him there a few days, until thy brother's fury turn away until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done to him. Then I will stand and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived also of you both in one day? So Rebekah, Jacob's mother, was the one who learned of Esau's plan to murder Jacob, and Rebekah was the one who told Jacob that Esau was licking his wounds and while planning the murder of Jacob. And Rebekah was the one who commanded Jacob to run for his life and stay with Laban, her brother, until she found out, till she knew that Esau's anger and fury had turned away from him, and it was safe now for him to come home. So Rebekah was Jacob's eyes on Esau and was going to tell him when it's safe for him to come home. See, she is Jacob's spy, She's Jacob's lookout. And Jacob, and so what, what this means is that as far as Jacob was concerned, Rebekah was the signaler who, was gonna to, who told Jacob, listen, you obey my voice, and under no circumstances are you to come home until I send you word that it's safe for you to come. So the problem is that Jacob's lookout person hasn't sent him the message. It's safe for him to return home. But the other problem was is that he saw another Esau 
blossom in front of his eyes in Laban, and it had become intolerable for Jacob to stay in Laban's house anymore. And so he had to flee from Laban. So Jacob is fleeing first from Esau, and now he's fleeing from Laban. He's in a real pickle. But Rebekah has not told him it's safe to come home now. So here he is with all of his family, all of his possessions, and he's saying, look, with a coast is clear message or without a coast is clear message, I'm coming. So in verse 3, this is weighing on his mind. And he's thinking, I wonder if the coast really is clear, you know, for me to come. But, but Jacob has just come off of using his, his own cleverness. Uh, you know, he's, he's thinking, boy, am I clever. I use colored branches and I make a huge herd of colored livestock for myself. And he's just come off of using his own cleverness, challenging Laban with the proclamation, whoever you find your gods with, let him not live. And he's feeling pretty confident now that he can apply his own cleverness now to win over Esau. So he sends these messengers to Esau in verse 3. Jacob sent messengers, Genesis 32, 3. Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau's brother in the land of Seir in the country of Edom. So he knows, Jacob knows, it's not going to be easy to win over my offended brother, as King Solomon said in Proverbs 18.9, Proverbs 18.19, I mean, Proverbs 18.19, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. So he knows that, that to win over his offended brother is going to be very, very hard. But he also knows he's clever, he's smart, and he's confident he can do it. So he constructs this simple message... And it has, it has these simple points in it, the simple points, and he takes his messengers and he strongly orders them uh, to get it right. Don't mess it up. I, we're, we're, verse 4, tell me the word that tells me that he strongly orders them, his messengers, to get the message correct. Commanded. He says, commanded. He commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak unto my Lord Esau, thy servant. Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned. Would Laban have stayed there until now? So Jacob didn't say to his messengers, well, you know, just see how it goes and, and, and say whatever you think you need to calm them down. He didn't do that. No way. Jacob scripted their words exactly, and he made sure that, that they knew the script by heart. And we can just imagine, you know, Jacob doing the rehearsals with the messengers. You know, he's convinced. If they drive home these points, there are four points, if they drive home these four points for sure, Esau's going to calm down. So what are the four points? Okay, first, the first point of Jacob's message to Esau is seen in verse 4. He commanded them, saying, Thou shalt speak unto my lord Esau, thy servant Jacob. The first point is found in six words. My lord Esau, thy servant Jacob. Those are key and we can just imagine Jacob telling his servants, now you be sure you say these six words just like this. My Lord Esau, thy servant Jacob. You guys got it? And now say it back to me. My Lord Esau, thy servant Jacob. No, I'm not asking you to say it back to me. I'm kind of pretending I'm Jacob anyways. So these six words conveyed to, to Esau the first point that Jacob wanted to make. He called Esau his Lord, and Jacob called himself Esau's servant. Now that's in as good an apology 
as Jacob could have given to Esau for stealing the birthright. Because what did Isaac give Jacob when Jacob stole the birthright? Well, it's seen in Genesis 27, 20, 37. See, Genesis 27, 37, it says, And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him, that'd be Jacob, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren, that'd be Esau, have I given to him for servants. So Isaac told Esau, when he blessed Jacob, that Isaac had made Jacob the Lord of Esau, and he made Esau the servant of Jacob. So the first point that Jacob wants to make with these six words, my Lord Esau, thy servant Jacob, the messengers is a direct reversal of the blessing that Jacob would be Lord and Esau would be servant. See, in this first point, Jacob is saying to Esau, I reject the blessing. Forget about me being your Lord and you being my servant. You are my Lord. I am your servant. I repudiate the blessing. So with that first point, Jacob is thinking, now I'm clever because that first point should make Esau say, oh, well, Jacob's repenting over stealing my birthright, my blessing. And so he's giving the blessing and the birthright back to me. So I've got nothing to be angry with, with Jacob. And Jacob is thinking that with this first point of Jacob yielding to Esau his right for the birthright, that, he's going to be, that this is going to be effective because it's all about yielding. And Solomon, King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 10.4, yielding pacifieth great offenses. Yielding pacifieth great offenses. So he's thinking, I'm going to pacify this great offense. And okay, now Jacob's got a second point. And the second point is seen in verse 4, where he says, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. Now, it's very interesting because the Hebrew word for sojourn that he used there is the word that means lived as a stranger or lived as a foreigner. Okay? So what Jacob is saying to Esau is that he's been living as a foreigner with Laban and Jacob is homesick and Jacob loves Esau and Jacob misses Esau. I mean, with this statement, Jacob is pulling the brother card, not just the brother card, the twin brother card. He, in essence, he's saying to Esau, you know, all we have, Esau, is each other. We're the only children of our parents. We're twin brothers. I miss you, Mike. I miss my own flesh and blood. And so he's thinking, oh, this is a good one. This one will work because this is the twin brother card. And he comes with a third point. And this third point, he thinks that, well, you know, maybe Esau is going to think, I'm broke. You know, I left broke. I'm coming back broke. I don't have anything. And I'm going to be a drain on Esau. So Jacob now makes his third point to Esau in verse 5, in Genesis 32, 5. He says, I have oxen and asses and flocks and men servants and women servants. So here Jacob is saying to Esau that he doesn't have to worry about Jacob coming to mooch off of Esau. And so Jacob says, look, I'm not broke. You know, I may have gone out empty, but I'm telling you that I'm loaded. I got lots of uh, cattle and flocks and herds. So he's saying to, he, he, you know, he's saying to Esau, he's saying, you know, oh, am I loaded? You know, <laughs> he's saying, I don't need dad's inheritance. You keep it. You know, you can take it all. I've got enough. I've got so much in Haran. So Jacob thinks now that Esau 
is not going to worry about having to support Jacob. And then Jacob comes with his last fourth point, and seen in verse 5, Genesis 32, 5, his last point, where he says, I have sent to tell my Lord that I might find grace in thy sight. So lastly, Jacob is asking for grace, pure grace from Esau. Uh, in the Hebrew, chen, just grace, mercy, he doesn't ask for it. He says grace, 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 mercy. Mercy and grace really deal with the same issue. But there's a fundamental difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. So Jacob doesn't want to bring up the subject of mercy because that brings up for Esau that he feels Jacob deserves to be killed for stealing the birthright. But Jacob brings up just grace which is, is getting what Jacob doesn't deserve, which is a warm welcome from Esau. That's all he wants. So Jacob is saying to Esau, look, all I want is just to know that you forgive me. Even though I don't deserve it, that's grace. And so at those four points, Jacob is thinking, I nailed it. He says, and, and, and now all I got to do is wait, go have the waiting game. So now back of Jacob's mind is this haunting thought that he never got his mother's all-clear signal to come home, and so he's worried. So he waits, and he waits and the, and for the return of the messengers, and finally they come back, and we can just picture him watching and waiting, you know, and, and for the return of the messengers, which happens in verse 6, in Genesis 32, 6. The messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and he cometh to meet thee, 400 men. So as soon as the messengers come back, Jacob asked them, did you find Esau? Messengers say, yes, we found him. And Jacob says, great, what did he say? And they say, he didn't say anything. And he says, what do you mean he didn't say anything? And the messengers tell him, well, we gave him your message. And what he did is he got 400 men together and he's coming out to meet you. <laughs> so when Jacob hears that, the bottom falls out of his stomach. And all Jacob can think of now is Isaac's blessing on Esau which was in Genesis 27.40, Genesis 27.40, when Isaac told Esau, by thy sword shalt thou live, and shall serve thy brother, and it shall come to pass when thou shalt have dominion, thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. So Jacob is thinking of Isaac's words to Esau, by thy sword thou shalt live. All he can hear of these words that Isaac's words to Esau, by thy sword thou shalt live. And all he can see is this sword, this sword of Esau. And he's thinking to himself, Esau is a sword warrior. And the 400 men under Esau are all sword warriors. So Jacob is seeing Esau leading a slaughter party of 400 sword-carrying warriors, and this is going to be Jacob's last stand. Like Custer's last stand. This is going to be Jacob's last stand. So Jacob, the man of peace, is going to be met by Esau, the man of war. And he's just terrified. He's terrified, it says in verse 7, Genesis 32, 7, and Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Now, the first description of Jacob was that he was greatly afraid. Greatly afraid. It's a very interesting Hebrew word. It means he was very much frightened. And the second description of Jacob was that he was distressed. 
he was distressed. You know, in the Hebrew, the word that's used here for distressed is yatsar. And what it means is to be squeezed in. The root wording, it has, comes from a root that means pressed. So Jacob now feels pressed. He feels squeezed in. And, and he feels this yatsar being hemmed in, no way out. He feels the yatsar has a meaning of no escape, no escape. So he feels yatsar. He feels like he's in a vice. And the vice is just slowly closing in on him. And there's one word to describe Jacob in this state, and it's the word trouble. This is Jacob's trouble. Now, this account here that we're reading about is both historical, it's a history of what happened to Jacob, and it's prophetic. It's a prophecy of what's going to happen to the Jewish people of Jacob. As it says in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, Jeremiah 30, verse 7, alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. So historically, this day was great. There was none like it in Jacob's life. And it was the time of Jacob's trouble, but he will be saved out of it. And prophetically, for what's coming for the Jewish people of Jacob, that day that's coming will be great. There will be none like it, not even the Holocaust. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. So all this means is that what we're reading about right now is going to repeat itself in the Jewish people as they transition, as Jacob did, from being spiritually, from being spiritually Jacob to being spiritually Israel. And this process that, that in the future will transform the Jewish people, the physical Jewish people of Israel, into the spiritual Jewish people, the spiritual people of Israel, and it's going to be, in essence, what happens in this chapter. So, what's the first thing he does? When we look at Jacob here, what's the first thing he does? He's in the great fear and the great distress. Does he pray in verse 7? No, he's not praying in verse 7. Okay, in verse 7, he's greatly afraid, he's distressed, and he divides the people that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands. So he swings into action. Jacob just, just bounces right into action. You can just picture Jacob. He's dividing his wives and his children, and he's saying, uh, 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 you know, and, and they don't know what's happening, you know, but he, you know, the little kids are saying, oh, we get to meet Uncle Esau. <laughs> Jacob is rushing in a flurry of activity, dividing everybody and all the animals into two groups, hundreds and hundreds of flocks and herds and camels and, into these two groups. It's a tremendous amount of work. I mean, he's putting this large separation between these two groups so that one group is far enough away that when the screaming and the murder starts, they can escape the other group. He's dividing his whole caravan into two groups. And he does this because of verse 8 in Genesis 32, 8, because he said, if Esau come to the one group and smite it, slaughter it in other words, then the other group... The other company, which is left, shall escape.
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James study and reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.